Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message to those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. So do not quench your thirst and hunger with lying temporal vanities that are used as bait to manipulate people into their own delusions that are self-oriented, making them insular in their lives to the reality of their own life and of the world around them. I am here to share a message. It doesn't matter what your background is from. It is to those that are hungry and thirsty. It's only reality that can satisfy the inner core of your being. And there is ultimate meaning and destiny and purpose for your life. Everything in this universe is created for a purpose and there is an ultimate consummate purpose for which you exist and all things exist. If you want to find out more about this, just go to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. There, there is a flip book with very original writing through myself by the gifting of the Spirit of God. A lot of the print is highlighted in red, which are links to YouTube videos that are very profound and amazing from many fields of science and archaeology and so on that highly confirm the reality of what I am sharing. I am sharing good news. There is a reason for which you are alive. And it is love. It is the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love who is only who the one true eternal God is and could possibly be when you really understand what the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love is. It is an ultimate trustworthiness that is only worthy to contain unlimited power, life, and authority without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way. And there is only one quality that can be such an ultimate trustworthiness, and this is a love that is the highest form of love, known in the Bible as agape love, that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice that is such obviously would have a measure of corruption in it. This love has such integrity, such purity, that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this love. This is the defensive aspect of the being of God, or if you will, the holiness of his love. It is the very foundation of reality. Truth is defined in various dictionaries as that which is real, and reality and real is defined in various dictionaries as that which is absolute, immovable, indestructible. And there's only one quality that is the foundation of reality. And it is this love I am talking about that has such integrity that it is the very antithesis of corruption. It is the very opposite of corruption. It ensures that there can be a destiny where there is no corruption. But it is severe on all rebellion against the one true eternal God who is this love. It is represented in the negative symbol in math which represents cutting off all corruption and an indestructible foundation. And that negative symbol forms a positive symbol when it is crossed out, which represents the symbol of the cross, which was also the last letter of the alphabet in the ancient Hebrew language and many other languages in the beginning of writing and of history, going back 1500 BC, 2000 BC and earlier.
the last letter of the alphabet, and it meant sign or symbol, and it was a symbol of the cross, just as we know it today. And yes, God's love is so great that he could take judgment upon himself, as he did in Jesus Christ, who became a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice on the cross. The very perfect, full perfection of the being of God's love. God manifest in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Yes, God suffered more than you, a mere creature. He humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, so that you could repent and be cleansed of all your sin and forgiven of all your sin and reconciled to fellowship with God and receive the gift of eternal life. So I am sharing with those that have come to know the one true eternal God. Yes, he is so great that he can communicate with his creation and actually have done what he did. There is no love that can be imagined that is greater than this love or that could exist that is greater. It is the ultimate trustworthiness, only worthy and only possible to contain unlimited authority, life, and power without being corrupted thereby or using it in a corrupt way, thus indicative that God is the very source thereof and indeed who God is. And this God is in three personages because you have to be in three personages to be God because it takes three personages to be in conscious intelligence rule over the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are, as God the Father beyond time and space in the creation realm, as the Son, the full expression of the Father, into the creation realm, ruling there, and as the Holy Spirit and omnipresence filling all dimensions of existence and time in the creation realm and beyond it. I am sharing with you the good news. And I want to share what I have received for those that have been reconciled to God that are gathering around Jesus Christ in assemblies throughout the United States and throughout Canada and around the world. And what I do to facilitate this is I cast lots on the Word of God to get the possibility of any chapter. And I cast it with two independent random applications to get two chapters that would confirm each other with the same theme, verifying that the message I have received by the casting of Lot before God is from God. And so I want to share the two chapters I received. You know, the Word of God says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. This is referring to believers when they come together. They are to allow the Spirit of God to speak through them as the oracles of God. We are to seek to allow ourselves to move in the gifts of the Spirit of God, that the utterances are from God. This is further explained in Revelations 19.10, which says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in great reverence and humility, in spirit and in truth, out of love for God, we are filled with his spirit to overflowing. In utterances that are beyond ourselves, that are from the Spirit of God, whether it be a word of exhortation, a song that is spontaneous and many times ends up being poetic, in my experience, or whatever kind of manifestation it is. So I will seek to speak out of a heart set and mindset of worship to bring forth a spirit of prophetic utterance 
in my message. I only spent a half an hour meditating on these two chapters and then I preach on them soon after, if not immediately after. And I also choose a hymn which usually isn't by the casting of lot I discover, but more through just finding one that's appropriate, but many times I do cast lots too and get a proper hymn. And uh, so I want to share that hymn that I received today. First of all, which is one that I already have in my playlist at loverealize.com where I have well over a hundred really high quality hymns. So this is one of the ones that I've already chosen. Usually I always get a new hymn out of the 1,080 hymns from this hymn book of hymns throughout church history and from the underground church in China under the work of Watchmini and his co-workers. Watchmini was martyred back in 1972 in China. So here is the song that I want to sing before the Lord with you all today. Two chapters I received today on 
June the 25th of 2022 on Saturday are Hebrews chapter 5 and John chapter 10. And, oops, these two chapters do have obviously a common theme because many of us are familiar with John chapter 10 where Jesus says, I am the door and men emphasizes that it's only through him. And so I want to first read some of the verses in John chapter 10. Beginning in verse 9, it says, I am the door by me if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Skipping down to verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. And there is a lot more in John chapter 10, of course. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 5. And start to read from Hebrews chapter 5. As soon as I'm turned to it, that is. Make sure I've got Hebrews chapter 5. Whoops. Maybe we go the other way. I'm trying to find it. There it is. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity? And by reason hereof he ought as for the people also, also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared or reverenced God? Or, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong drink. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, 
even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So in both of these passages, we have an emphasis on the fact that it is only through Christ that we have entrance into the presence of God, into a relationship with God. Now, the word God is a general term for the one true eternal God, the creator of the universe. But in the Old Testament, you often have two words put together in English, which is the Lord God. And these are the two words that are used throughout the New Testament, some, most of the times together with each other, but also apart. And the word Lord, usually, almost always, but not completely, is translated in the original Hebrew as Yahweh. Some will use the pronunciation Yehovah, but that's not as accurate. Yahweh. And this word basically is a word that has the understanding of the creators separate and above and apart from the creation. Um, and also the ultimate source of reality. When God is described as the I am that I am, which in Hebrew is Ahiyah, Asher Ahiyah, he is referring to this name Yahweh, the I am that I am, the very source of being, of reality. And the second word is the word Elohim, which being translated literally, more literally in English, would be Almighty's One, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so God is here in Hebrews chapter 5 pointing out concerning Jesus Christ that though he were a son yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now I have emphasized very clearly that Jesus Christ is not a created being. He is indeed God manifest in the flesh. Particularly this is described in Hebrews 1.3, which makes it clear that Jesus Christ is the full expression of the Father. And of course, Christ himself said, if you have seen me, I mean, perceive me in my spirit, not just my flesh, if you perceive me and see me, then you've seen the Father. And indeed, Yahweh, is another name that can be used for Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ himself said that he is the I am that I am, which is referring to the fact that he is Yahweh, the one that I just plainly described. And this is very clear because we see it in Genesis 18. Abraham is at his tent door in the heat of the day, probably bowed before the Lord, and he looks up, and maybe about 10 feet away, there's three men standing there, and he recognizes they're not just ordinary men. In fact, in the chapter before, he just had a major visitation from God where God ascended up to heaven from him. But here he has three men standing before him. And he goes to them and tells them that he wants to make a meal for them. And they say, yes, that's fine. And they sit down and they have a meal together. And Abraham dresses the main one of those three 
as Yahweh, the most sacred name for God. So here is Jesus Christ in the flesh before he's reincarnated, and before he's incarnated, pardon me, into the world. He is there as a theophany, as they call it, before communicating with Abraham, even eating with him. And of course, later on, they walk together as they are going towards Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy it. And Yahweh sends the other two, which are angels, on to destroy the city, and he himself continues to talk with Abraham, which pleads with him to have mercy on Lot and on those that are righteous therein, and then ascends up to heaven from Abraham. Yes, Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. So here in this verse, when it says, though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered, it's not like he didn't know how to obey the Father. This is more saying that he verified his union and his perfection in union of obedience out of love with the Father by what he went through. It was verified that he was obedient. And yes, he experienced again the relationship of obedience with the Father. And so he's learning in experience in communion with the Father the love relationship of obedience that he already always was in. And of course, people, some people teach it. The error that when Christ was on the cross forsaken of God, that he was no longer God in the flesh. That is false teaching. It is God who conquered death in the flesh, and he always was God in the flesh. And when Christ was on the cross, he has, he experienced the forsaking of God's presence and judgment. He took sin upon himself for us, but he never lost union with the Father. He was always in a state of selfless trust in the Father, which is a state of being that is holy, that is pure, that is without corruption. That is why it says in Romans 1.4 that he rose from the dead by the spirit of holiness that was in him. It doesn't say in him there, but it just says that he rose from the dead by the spirit of holiness. But that is speaking about his spirit, the spirit of God, Yahweh, in him. In total union with the Father, he said, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. He never had a fist of rebellion towards the Father. When he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was in union with the Father and getting a release from the burden by saying that. Often happens that we need a release where we say why. It says, Think it not strange concerning the... Cons the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But after you have suffered a while, it says, he will strengthen, establish, and settle you. So here we have Jesus Christ, his obedience, his union with the Father, being verified in the time and space realm that was always with the Father, even before the world was created, he was always in such a love relationship with the Father that God had that love that could condescend and take judgment upon himself, as did happen in this world. And he's called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek.
He's the author of eternal salvation unto them that obey him. So we think that we as Christians can just live any old way and not obey him. Well, it's not by works, that is true. It's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that shows mercy. But those that have been truly born again of the Spirit delight to do what pleases God. They are not in a state where the center of their life is themselves and all the things that are delusional that they want to satiate with temporal pleasures. No, their pleasure is found in a relationship with God. The things that quench our hunger for God are when we get our focus on those things, like Jonah did. Jonah said, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. God wants to show his mercy and grace towards us. And so we need to maintain a loving relationship with God by not allowing our hunger and thirst for God to be quenched by the temporal loves of this world. So Christ makes it clear that it's only through him that people can come to receive eternal life. And God is wanting to say to his people today that he wants us also to enter into the relationship that Christ showed that he had with the Father. And it says in this chapter here that who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto them, unto him that was able to save him from death, was heard and that he feared, that he had the fear of God, the fear of the Father. It says in Isaiah 33 concerning Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that the fear of the Lord is his treasure. It is the secret of a deep abiding love relationship with God because the fear of God is a great expression and turning from our heart and spirit to reciprocate who God in his being is. It is the realization of God as being totally and ultimately trustworthy because his being is so pure in its integrity that it judges and is severe against all that is unholy, that is contrary to his love. And God is calling us as his people to enter in to such a love relationship with him that we reciprocate the being of God through prayer as is described here with strong tie crying and tears. There needs to be desperation in our prayers. There needs to be perseverance when we spend time. You may feel in your time of prayer like God is far from you. Well, you hardly know God at times. But you persevere with moral persuasion in who God is. You turn in your heart to reciprocate God in his holiness that it is good, as severe as it is against sin. And we can easily get our focus on all the suffering in our own lives and the suffering around us and fall into doubt so that we have an idolatrous, warped perception of God out of the unthankfulness that's birthed by such a focus. We need to see that God's severity 
and all that he allows, even in our own lives, it seems severe, is not our ultimate end, that he is creative and has a good end for us. We need to see that the holiness of God is good in its severity. And so we cry out and we pray with moral persuasion in who God is in his love, first in his holiness, and out of that springs the perception of God in the greatness of his mercy to forgive us, to be patient with us, and to cleanse us when we confess our sins. He's calling his people to return to such a union with him and to recognize that it's only through Christ that we can enter in to eternal life and know him. This is clear from John chapter 10. There are many wonderful verses in John chapter 10. Verse 4, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. You know, brothers and sisters, there are many times I pray to God and said, I hardly know your voice. I hear about all these people that hear the audible voice of God. Lord, I've never heard the audible voice of God. Not of any significance. Have I heard God speak to me? Not audibly, but so real at times in my life that it was like it was audible. But it's been very rare. And I've said, God, you look at Samuel. It seems like he was, you were talking to him all the time. I want that intimacy with you. I'm hungry to know and to hear your voice. And here it says, My sheep, for they know his voice. And you know when you are still and you know he's God, in the times of prayer, you can sense the peace rising up in you of his presence and his glory. And you may not hear his audible voice. And you may wonder how rarely you even ex experience him speak in the inner part of your being and spirit with clarity. But keep praying and believing God because we don't walk by sight and we also equally do not walk by audibly hearing the voice of God. We walk by moral persuasion in who God is and it is out of that that we begin to hear the voice of God. For it says that who is he that worketh miracles among you? Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It is the moral persuasion. See, the word faith means moral persuasion. Moral persuasion in who God is, in his holiness and his mercy, in the perfection of his being that is only an ultimate trustworthiness that could possibly be all-powerful and all-knowing. And God is calling us to enter into the genuine fear of God and to seek him so that we in these last days become more and more attuned to the speaking of the Spirit of God in our inner being. It requires much time in prayer. It requires perseverance. So many times I, you know, because I spend a long time in prayer, I felt like, no, I can't go the whole time. And yet, when I come to that point where I was going to plan to stop, then the Spirit takes over and I want to go and I end up going the full time that I usually go. God is calling us to know a relationship with Him that brings breakthrough 
into a deep, intimate union where the fear of the Lord is our treasure as it is in the Messiah. There is the reciprocation of the Father, Jesus with the Father, reciprocating the greatness and glory of his being and then responding back in worship and praise and in obeying his voice and seeking to do always those things that please him. So he makes it very clear here that the Father loves him because he's willing to lay down his life and that he is able to take it again. And we also are called to lay down our lives and say, I love my master, I love my Lord, I will not go free. Those that are his sheep, it says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. We do hear the voice of God, but it's not maybe in the, our own understanding of what we think it should be to hear the voice of God. There's a moral persuasion in us. There are times in me where I speak in tongues because it's not possible to put in words what I'm perceiving of the glory of God. But in that there is even a speaking that is causing me to speak those words. For it is out of the perception that there is the reception of the being of God, which also is a form of hearing. Maybe in the sense of seeing and perceiving, but it's a form of hearing. And so I am uttering forth words beyond my understanding, but often praying in the Spirit with the understanding of what I am perceiving of the glory of the being of God and of the truths of his kingdom. Well, I cannot continue to go on speaking today. I will say that in my own situation right now, my mother seems, she's 98 and she seems to be close to transitioning into glory. And God did a miracle today because when I was in prayer, I continually was asking God, they've got these rules that we can't go in and see Mom, and all I can do is stand outside the window, and here I'm seeing her th so, so thin and weak now that she can't even raise her hand to hear me with the tube that I put through the window. And so God did a miracle today when me and my, me and my sister were outside and concerned about her state. The nurse inside said, well, you can come in. And so we went around to see the other nurse where the entrance is, and we told her, well, Mom's very weak. And she said, yeah, come on in. And they let us in. That's the first time in two years I've been allowed to go in and I could hold my mother's hand and kiss her and embrace her before she goes to glory. Maybe she'll get stronger again and last for a while. I don't know. But they don't seem to be able to get protein in her. Well, anyhow, she's on her way to heaven when that happens. But, you know, no one wants to see the ones they love go. But... You know, I don't want to see her suffer either. I want her to have an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God, and I'm praying that she'll have that in God's timing. So thank you for listening to this message. And remember that I have a book on Amazon.com called God, Headship, and Body Invasion, and help support what I'm doing. This is all about how not to limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. So check that book out. And the other one is Evolution, Delusion, Solution, which is a 
Solution, which is a super abridged edition that's up there on Amazon, both by my name, David James Thompson. God bless you all.